welcome along to Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here, and Man in the Mirror is a podcast where each week I talk to a male guest about life, about work, about some of the key items on their bathroom shelf, and we discuss self-care, self-image, and what they really think about the man that stares back at them in the mirror. Now this week, my guest is Nicola Bozzani, who is creative director of fragrance brand Merchant of Venice. I met Nicola in the summer. He was doing an in-store for one of the brand's new launches, and we we got to meet in person. But then actually we recorded the podcast separately, remotely after that. But um, such a lovely man who has a really interesting story in that he's involved in in fragrance education, he's the creative director of a, a big fragrance brand, but Merchant of Venice also have a, a museum in Venice. So, he, as you'll hear in the in the discussion, you know, he's really interested in the history of, of fragrance as well. So, uh, and uh, on top of that, he's also a qualified yoga teacher. A real joy to spend some time with. Real lovely, warm energy and. Um, yeah, I, le- I learned a lot about the brand. I learned about the um, significance of Italy in terms of fragrance, which I so said we often dismiss slightly and you know, focus more on France as the sort of home of, of fragrance. But um, Italy has a long and storied history in terms of fragrance, which Nicola will tell us more about. So here we go. It's Nicola Pozzani, who is the creative director of Merchant of Venice, chatting to me, Hayden, on the Man in the Mirror podcast. Let's go. Welcome along to Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here, and I'm delighted to tell you that today I'm joined by Nicola Pozzani, who is the creative director of Merchant of Venice. Hi, Nicola. How are you? Hello. I am very good, thank you, and I'm very excited to be here with you today. Thank you for your Lovely invite. Oh, it's a real pleasure. And I'm delighted to to have you on the show. We met back in the summertime. Uh, I popped along, to, I popped along to see you in Harrods before you were doing an event. So we got to meet each other in person. But um, it looked like you were launching some very exciting things that day. And um, I'm sure we'll get into that and talk about some of the, the new products in the Merchant of Venice range. But uh, I know the listeners as would I, would love to hear a bit more about the man himself and, and, and your background. So I'd love to know, I mean, I, maybe the listeners can detect an Italian accent, but um, what, what was your background with fragrance? How did you, how did you end up getting involved in, in, in the world of perfume? Was it an interest from a very young age? Not at all, actually. I was very much into fashion in my early 20s, and I moved to Milano, which is, you know, the the fashion epicenter in Italy. But I soon realized that I was more interested in fragrance. I actually attended a school that was funded by a fashion photographer. So I did study fashion. Right. And although I was, you know, obsessed at very young age with all these fashion magazines, actually most of them London fashion magazines. So I was an avid collector of the face, dazed and confused. Absolutely. I was spending all of my pennies buying all (laughs) these glossy magazines. It's funny though, isn't it? When you think about magazines now, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it's so much of the culture. But like like you, I remember, I mean, my, my interests were more music, but there's something really special, isn't there, about those 
glossy magazines and, and sort of pouring over them and, and taking all your information. I, I don't know. If I'm, maybe that's still around. Obviously, there's great magazines, but it was a real, much more of a thing, wasn't it, in the 90s and noughties? Well, at the time, I guess that was the main way to consume image for everyone. Yeah. In the early 20s, there was no Instagram or internet had just started. So the only way to kind of be inspired was to go through to the fashion magazines if you were into into photography, into clothing, into self-expression. And that for me was kind of actually what then made me aware of fragrance being a vehicle for for self-expression. And where did you grow up, Nicola? So I grew up in a very, very beautiful uh, Shakespearean town called Verona. Ah, yes. How lovely. Not too far from Venice, just around the corner. Yeah. So I'm from the same same region as uh, as the Merchant of Venice. Uh, and um, then when I was in my early 20s, I kind of escaped first to Miami, where I lived for some time with a friend. Oh, did and you? And then, to, yeah, in the, in the year 2000, I was some of the happiest uh, moment of my life. And then Milano, which is where my creative soul very much was born, at this uh, amazing school of the five senses, where I got the chance to to answer your question, to study with uh, French master perfumer, Jean-Claude Delena, who is the guy that very much ah. inspired me and changed my life and made me aware that that was what I wanted to do in life. I mean, he's a, a legend of the industry, isn't he? Yes. And at the time, I think he was being made into a legend. So in a way, I, I guess it was interesting to meet him at the time when, it was right at the time when he left the fragrance house we were sponsored by to then join Hermes. So it was, um, I think, a, a peculiar moment in his career as well. Right. So your your interest kind of started through the worlds of, sort of fashion and, and media and, and, and sort of imagery. But then did it come, the love of, of fragrance came through this, came through study and, and this, this um, yes. course on the five senses? Yeah, because the whole concept of the school was based on synesthesia. So how to very much express story and emotion, a sensation through the, all the five senses and the links between the five senses. So fragrance was one of the areas of study as much as photography was. And so some of the projects would be to translate a scent in image, for example, or to translate a sound in scent. And so that was very creative. And that is when I got to experiment with, uh, with fragrance. I, I, I love, I, I love those story. ideas. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's always so interesting. Because of course, you know, the, the, our, our sense of smell, you know, is inspired by other things. That must have been such a fascinating area of study to, to bring the different senses together like that. But also because, I mean, quite frankly, you know, we're all educated visually. Yeah. Somehow I think we are exposed in school to all of the five senses, but no one is really exposed to the sense of smell. So no, it's that true. It's true. came as a revelation because I had never, other than worn fragrance, I had never like smelled raw materials or even contemplated the idea of a, a perfumer job you know so yeah it was a completely unknown world to me like it is to most people actually and and, and of the different areas of study was it the the world of olfaction and, and and smell that that took your interest the most oh absolutely yes when uh, when Jean-Claude came to I will never forget the first time he came to to school and he was coming from uh, Grasse just to teach us all the time 
And the moment he, he arrived and literally he completely captured my attention and inspired me so much. And um, we were actually very lucky because the whole school was financed by a fragrance house. So oh, okay. we had then, um, you know, the, the opportunity to experiment and to, yeah. and to work immediately. The, the, the president of the, of the corporation was there as well. So we were being so inspired. We were so lucky being exposed to, again, a world, an industry that most people really don't know, have no clue exists and how it works. Because when you sometimes say to, you know, meet someone and they ask you what you do and you say you work as a perfume or you start in a fragrance house, they wouldn't know what that means. <laughs> People so. can't really get their head around it. And as you say, I mean, it, and also it's in the fact that it was a an academic study, but that you had a real life commercial opportunity to see how the industry itself worked. That must have been invaluable to to, to see people doing day-to-day work in that industry. Absolutely. Also, because you may imagine the school was absolutely still is very unique in the world. And so we had the greatest luck of meeting and studying with some of the, you know, world's uh, best teachers and professionals. So the type of, uh, you, you would never know, you know, who you would bump it to. You would uh, you would go <laughs> there one morning and you would find Isabella Rossellini. And, oh my and goodness. Like, oh God, what's happening here? Oh yeah, we're launching a new <laughs> fragrance. <laughs> so you would never know, you know, one of our teachers, a sound designer, was a student of David Lynch. So it was like wow. every day there was an amazing surprise. That must have been really stimulating as a, as a creative person, having all those different creative people around. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. And you've kept in the world of education, haven't you, Nicola? You, you still, teaching is a big part of, of what you do and, and you're still someone that um, likes to educate the, the next generation, aren't you? Um, well, I think because I have, you know, been educated and I've had this amazing experience in the school that was called Università dell'Immagine in Milano, somehow I feel very passionate about um, inspiring people and nurturing new talent. And this is, I guess, was the approach of my teachers. And so I think I subconsciously have inherited that. Yeah. And um, I would say most of my time clearly, you know, these days is dedicated in the creation of fragrances, but there's, I would say, maybe 10, 15% my time a year is spent in different universities around Europe, around Italy, the UK and Switzerland, where I've had the opportunity to create some courses, which very much, some of them want to inspire people through fragrance. And I'm saying, when I say people, I mean, courses open to everyone, um, where basically we're having a very, very broad spectrum of participants, which is what I do here. In the UK, whereas in Italy, I teach in more specialized perfumery courses. So it's quite interesting to see the difference in between people that are there to suddenly become perfumers and people that are there because maybe they are marketeers or they are coming from ties and coming from other backgrounds yes. and yeah, they just I'm want sure. to explore with the sense of smell. Artists work with lots of artists here in London and in Switzerland. But at the end of the day, they're all very much... Uh, uh, I see. I think they all share the same enthusiasm for fragrance. Yeah, and, because, and curiosity about the, the the world of perfume. Yeah, I think when you educate people on a sense of smell, 
I personally enjoy it a lot. It's really magic because you you kind of see um, their soul being born again. Yeah. Which is maybe what I had myself, you know, when I first became aware of, oh, there is this amazing sense that up until now I had underestimated. And it's so beautiful. It's so rich. And it can, you know, it allows me to um, get to know aspects of myself as well as my own story. And um, I think it's the same thing that happens with the students. Well, I can I can totally relate to that too. I think it's it's something that when when that um, interest takes hold and and the, the bug bites, it's it can it can bite pretty deep, and it, it becomes something that's very important and you know brings out different um, yeah different things about your character and, and different interests. And I've you know I've over the last few years loved. And it's my kind of fragrance journey, I suppose, is, is, is quite early, though only over the last few years. But I just find it endlessly fascinating talking to creative people like yourself and finding out more about, about the world around it. But also, I think, as you say, it kind of it triggers something inside you as well, doesn't it? And, and um, brings out different emotions and feelings. And I think it's, it's very special. We'll have to get you to one of our courses. We're teaching a course oh. every year in. Um, oh, so as part of the this unique partnership with Merchant of Venice, we have um, a partnership with the Isipka um, uh, Université de Versailles. So that is um, some teaching that both myself and the founder Marco Vidal do as part of the um, in, uh, for a master course. But in the summer, we're also teaching a short course about perfumery. In uh, a beautiful Venetian palazzo, Palazzo Mocenigo, ah, which is a perfume museum in Venice. Yes, so that that's very nicely linked. That so that's is that the museum that's owned by the the Merchant of Venice Company? Yes, precisely. Ah. So that's the, an incredibly unique place that uh, was actually my link to the Merchant of Venice. I discovered this fantastic museum some ten years ago, and I thought mm, this sounds interesting because you know Italy is. Unlike the French, has not been particularly good at preserving and promoting um, their perfume heritage, and this was actually the first time that someone decided to, to do something about it. And um, so, this is the first perfume museum in Italy, and it, it celebrates very much the history of uh, of Venice as a place for perfumery. Right. And and did the Merchant of Venice fragrance brand come? come after the museum did it did it work that way around or was, was it's was kind of a... the result of the partnership between this uh, family of perfumers of venetian perfumers that of course merchant of venice is part of and the the state museums so the the local uh museums of venice who have uh, joined uh, the family in this very unique partnership and they have refurbished this amazing palazzo that was like a few buildings in Venice a bit run down you know it costs a lot of money to <laughs> to keep a palazzo going I can imagine I can imagine that yeah and and that was your introduction to the world of the, the merchant of Venice and, and where you are now so did did you start did you get involved with them 10 years ago then early early in in the um in the sort of foundation of the company or did you come to it a bit later on no it's been a couple of years that I um that I work with them but I right. met them some 10 years ago I'd just come I back see. from Saudi Arabia, where I lived previously on another perfume project. And uh, I found out about reading literally on um, on the newspaper in, in Italy. I was back home visiting family in Verona and I read about this perfume museum opening in Venice. So I immediately went there and I got the chance to meet Marco, 
who told me a little bit about history. It's almost meant to be. It sounds like it yes. was a, if there was a, a role that was, was meant for you, Nicola, it sounds like this one. Yeah, and I've always been based in London for nearly half my life. So Marco has always been coming regularly to the UK because, of course, UK is um, one of the main countries where Merchant of Venice sell their fragrances. Yeah. Um, and but this year, it's a 10th year anniversary, which is quite a, a milestone. And so we've been keeping in touch throughout the years. He's a lover also of the English countryside, so he comes here regularly. Yeah, and then a couple of years ago, he asked me whether I was interested in helping to create all of their fragrances. And I thought, well, this sounds like a beautiful opportunity to blend perfume fragrance with um, history and culture, which is something that I personally like very much. Well, it sounds like the uh, a, a kind of a marriage made in heaven, this, this role. And we'll, we'll talk more about <laughs> the Merchant of Venice and, and some of the, the products that are uh, in the market at the moment. But um, if I could talk about some of your bathroom essentials, as I always do on, on Man in the Mirror, I'd love to know, are you a kind of person that has an extensive morning and evening sort of skin, skincare and grooming routine? What, what kind of products do you like to use, Nicola? Not really, to be honest with you. My skin routine is quite basic. Actually, I'm not sure that basic is the right word, but uh, <laughs> I, I mean, actually, upon reflection, I don't think it's that basic, but I mean, you know, I, well, up until recently, I was just cleansing and moisturizing. But in the last yeah. few years, as I have, um, recently embraced a new decade. I have, <laughs> I have started using these amazing anti-aging products, which I am finding quite interesting. But what's what's very interesting is the fact that um, the reason why I started to use them is not because I wanted to use an anti-age. It's because I was using them as a post-shaving remedy. Oh, okay. And did yeah, you find they so, did it work well to calm oh, yeah. the skin down? Yeah. Yes, because unfortunately, I've always had this problem with shaving, which is whenever I shave, it's a bit like a murder scene. So I, <laughs> there's, you know, there's I love always um, blood yeah, everywhere. It's, you know, I remember you and I had this conversation before, and yeah, I'm actually <laughs> encouraging if there's beauty people out there who are listening to this, especially the very big, the very big, you know, beauty groups. I think some more effort should be made on the concept of men's shaving products. Because personally, I have tried so many different tools and products in my life, and I find them very primitive and very, or at least they don't work with with my skin, or maybe I'm doing it wrong, I don't know. But it's just, um, it, it always upset my skin, whatever product I'm doing, whatever I'm using. And um, luckily, I was at the airport killing some time. You know, I spent quite an awful amount of time in airports these days. Yeah. <laughs> and I use that time, maybe like you, I love actually being in airports because for me, it's a bit of yeah. market research. So you totally. go there and go and see what's things, new. smell. Uh, especially Heathrow T5, which has that humongous oh, beauty uh, and perfume. So uh, good. It's great, isn't it? So what did you find? What, what, what were the products? Well, I've always kind of been a fan of Estee Lauder products and brands in general. I find them very well put together. I also had a brief work experience with them in the past. Okay. And this beauty um, specialist was telling me that all of her, like her father, her, her brother, so all of the men in her family were using 
this product as a post-shaving remedy. Yeah. And when she said that, I thought, oh, okay, she just wants to sell, you know, <laughs> the product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she was right because actually I've been using this uh, serum, it's a serum after shaving. And I must say that it really helps a lot to kind of, you know, uh, stop the irritation. Yeah. And is that the advanced night? Is it advanced yes. night repair? And I must say amongst everything that I've tried in my life, it's the only thing that sort of, yeah, basically tames. So there's no, uh, you know, redness spots, uh, things that come out after I use this. So oh, that's good. that has become kind of like a must have in my, especially if after shaving, I'm going like for a meeting or to meet someone yeah, because otherwise yeah. it looks like I've been beaten up. <laughs> so it's a bit of a, ga- <laughs> bit of a game changer. Yes. And, and, and in terms of your, in terms of your cleansing, are you loyal to a certain product, Nicola, in terms of the, the earlier steps in terms of sort of cleansing and moisturizing are there certain products you you like to use or are you kind of happy to try different things no i have been using and often also i travel so it's a bit difficult for me to stick to the same product sometimes i just buy things at the airport and buy smaller smaller packaging so with that um, i'm kind of experimenting but yeah i think it's more the serum that i tend to stick to and use all the time and and what kind of skin have you got? Is it kind of combination or is it quite dry or oily? What do you think? I think it's a combination because, yeah. I mean, most of um, my skin actually I find quite dry, which is maybe why it's um, it kind of is so sensitive to shaving, I guess. Mm. But then mm. I realized once I went to a, you know, a beautician and she explained to me that it's a, she said it's a combination. Right. Well, maybe as you're saying about the products and, and not finding the the ideal men's kind of shaving products, you know, maybe it's something that uh, Merchant of Venice or one of one of the companies within your family should uh, maybe you should be suggesting it some some new men's products. Uh, actually, they did launch a collection. Oh, did they? Uh, yes, last year. In fact, I'm using one of their uh, oils. So what I love about that collection is that there is this uh, beautiful pre-shaving oil. Is this from Merchant of Venice? Yes, which is Ah. also very nicely scented. And that actually is something that helps before shaving. Right. Because it kind of moisturizes and I think softens your skin and it's very nicely scented. So it's a pre-shaving oil that that I use. Yeah. And um, yeah, so there's all sorts of new remedies that I am finding. Oh, that's good. But I also think... Oh, sorry, I was going to ask you about your hair and whether you have certain products you use in your hair, Nicola? Um, So this is an interesting question because I have curly hair. So there are supposed to be specific shampoos for curly hair. I tend to kind of uh, choose those ones. Although I find in the UK, there must be fewer people with curly hair because (laughs) it's very difficult (laughs) to find, uh, you know, shampoos specifically for curly hair. When you get to Italy or Spain, uh, there's so many, uh, it's so easy to find specific products for curly hair. So I find, (laughs) this must be because there's fewer curls, I guess. Maybe, maybe. I try to use them and I try not to wash my hair too much, although I think living in London is very difficult. Mm. 
Do you try to have some days where you don't wash? Well, re- interestingly enough, I've recently come across this uh, hairstylist who was kind of suggesting that we shouldn't be using shampoo, but we should be only using water and then really? every now what, and then every- use conditioner. Oh, ah, that's it. So I, I have days where I'll, I'll, I won't shampoo every, I'll shampoo every other day, but I'll condition every day. And someone told me that. I mean, I don't know if that's you, you see, know, scientific. You so see, maybe they're coming a, from the same it, school. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. And what about, what about fragrance, Nicola? Because obviously you're someone that's working with fragrance all that, all the time. Does that mean that you, in the morning, you need to keep your skin um, clear of fragrance or, or are you, are you, are you trying out new Merchant of Venice fragrances? How, how does it work in terms of your, um, your fragrance during the day? So, well, I never use fragrance, of course, because I'm working on fragrance. So I need to be, my nose needs to be clear, but I apply on my skin only things normally that I'm working on. So, right. Say, so now, for example, I've got about 20 fragrances on my desk at the moment that I'm evaluating. <laughs> on paper and then I would also evaluate some of them on skin so um, especially the ones that you know then become products these of course are things that I constantly wear so yeah to answer your question I I use fragrance for pleasure very rarely and I mostly put on my skin things that I'm working on right so it's a bit of a it's a funny way to use fragrance I've heard that a lot, though. I mean, it it makes total sense for for people who are working with fragrance day in day out. That that really, obviously, most of the time you need to be, you know, trialing new things on your skin. I mean, do you ever uh, at the weekend if you allow yourself a day off? Is that a, is that a real pleasure where you can say, oh, I'm going to put a different fragrance on today? You know, do, do, are you ever allowed a kind of day off where you can say, oh, I'm going to try something new or try something else? Well, I have, I work in London, I work in Venice, I work in a lot of different places. And uh, so there's always fragrances around me. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of always surrounded by fragrance. And um, I must say that sometimes it's good to maybe have one day or, you know, two days where I'm, you know, when I'm off. Yeah, yeah. So totally. I'm not smelling anything. I am just focusing on other uh, you know, aspects of life and just uh, doing my own thing. So it's important, I think, to also have that detachment. But having said that, most of my days are very much surrounded by fragrances, especially when I'm developing something new. So I'm constantly smelling, smelling. And this is also the process of so-called evaluation. So you basically evaluate a fragrance over an amount of time. So as, as you, you develop you, to get towards yes. the final one, yeah. So you repeatedly smell all raw materials and then you smell a raw material and an idea comes to mind and you take notes and you go back to it and you compare it with another raw material. Yeah. So it's um, it's lots of smelling. But um, <laughs> going back, sorry, to your question on beauty, what I wanted to mention, you were talking about a daily routine. Yes. And um, to me, actually, looking after your skin, so the kind of like the external beauty is only one aspect. So I think that to quote something that someone has said before me, which is beauty also comes from within. So I think, at least with me, maybe I spend more time on 
looking after what's inside, meaning I'm trying as much as possible to um, focus on well-being, on right, yeah. what the food I eat, and also practices. Because so you're, you're a yoga teacher, aren't you, Nicola? Yes. So I've had a lifelong yoga and meditation practice. And I find that to be very powerful as well. So to me, that is what I would call part of my beauty routine. Yeah, of course. More I holistic. Try and, yeah, which I try to do maybe not every day, but at least every other day. So I find it um, incredibly useful. Uh, like I'm sure a lot of people do, to to be who I am, and then also to bring my best uh, self to the world out there, together with all of my, of course, beauty and skin routine. Of course, and and do you find that the the yoga and the and the wellness side is is really part of keeping you centered, and and you know it's obviously a big part of who you are. Does it really help with your Relaxation. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Mm. But not only that, I think in, in general, um, keeping an active lifestyle, exercising regularly. For me, walking, to me, that is just uh, uh, so much important. It keeps me It keeps me going. It keeps me alive. Yeah. Without that, uh, I, I get quite unhappy, I would say. Um, mm. For time on my life, so I live in London. One of the things I love about living in London is that you don't need a car. Yeah, that's true. So the fact that I walk everywhere, I take public transport and um, I have the chance to just move, you know, my feet and my legs. To me, that is like a gift from heaven because when I go to Italy, often I have to drive. Right. And especially when I go and visit family, there's no, you know, such good public transport. And I, for me, maybe because I've lived now nearly half of my life here, I find, and there's, I've also lived in big cities, Milan, New York, so I'm finding the concept of sitting in a car very unfriendly. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got pain at some point. There was a time in my life where I had to drive for a few months and I developed a hip pain. Can you believe? Really? Yes, because I wasn't moving enough. And yeah. so the muscle on the, on the hip shortened. And now I'm doing lots of, I have an amazing actually osteopath here in, in London and also with the yoga that I've studied, I'm doing all these back bends that help me to sort of to lengthen strengthen. this muscle. Yeah. Yeah. That's so really the, the yoga is really like a science. Yeah. Yeah. That allows you to become more aware of your body, of what your body needs, of what your soul needs. And you can learn different techniques, different exercises, also with the meditation, with the breathing that can make really a dramatic difference in your in your well-being, in your beauty. Mm. Well, that's really interesting. And, and you mentioned food as well, obviously being an Italian man, but you consider quite rightly that, that food is part of wellness and, and making yourself feel good. And so you, you enjoy good food. Are, are you a cook, Nicola? Well, I must say with all this traveling, I am not such a great cook anymore, but I tend to just do basic stuff. Yeah. But you know, they always um, take nutrition into account. So I'm always careful that I'm mixing, you know, protein with carbs, with, with vegetables in the yeah. right way. So you're uh, quite, mind, quite mindful of all of that. Oh, absolutely. But also I think 
being brought up in Italy, you know, that helps a lot because we're so easy. We've got fresh produce all around us. Yes. Yeah. Very so lucky. it's very easy to have access to, to fresh food, to good food. And I think that is something you inherit. And I get to, so I kind of uh, commute in between, you know, Venice and London. How, how lovely. And when I go to Venice, it's absolutely incredible because maybe you don't know, very few people know this, but in Venice, they have a vegetable island. Do they? I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. So the San Terrazzo Island is an, uh, an island which the Venetian completely dedicated to the growing of fruit and veg. And this was something when I got to spend time there that was actually during the last leg of covid uh, it was amazing because I had COVID twice and I was oh, like you? everyone locked up in my apartment. Ugh. And uh, in you know, in London, you would order your online, whatever, um, mm. delivery. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Venice, you get uh, this guy. So you need to know people because that's really fascinating. There is no such thing as, uh, you know, a delivery, online delivery. You need to know the greengrocer. But the greengrocer from around the corner, from this campo, Campo San Giacomo, where I was living, which is so beautiful, would then bring him, himself, he would bring me, I would call him, he would bring me, the vegetables from San Terrasmo Island, which I'm oh, wow. telling you, it's just... Are they incredible? Oh, my God. And some of it is just <laughs> unique. You've got, for example, all these unique artichokes right. that they make over there. Yeah. So although I was having a miserable time, like everyone who had COVID, that was locked <laughs> it up. Sounds in okay. Yeah. I had the most amazing food coming through the door and I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm so lucky. Look at these tomatoes. Look at these potatoes. Look at this uh, botoli, which are the local artichokes. And that is something that I say I love about Venice. Yeah. And how often do you get to go, Nicola? Are you there a few times a year or more? Every month. Oh, every month. Okay. Yes, wow. I'm going there every month, sometimes more than a month. So it's uh, more than once a month. So it's, uh, it's a fantastic uh, uh, life in between what effectively is uh, two islands because UK is an island, Venice yeah. is an island. And also I think they have uh, lots in common, uh, having both been these two islands based on on trade, on concept of empire it's there's a lot yes. of similarities between yeah. venice and the uk well it's very interesting you should say that and we, we should talk a bit more about the venice and and the merchant of venice brand but as you say i mean there's I mean, so much rich history in terms of venice and, and trade routes and some of that is reflected in in some of the fragrances you do and and obviously at this month you're launching a, a brand new fragrance called Gold Regatta. I'd, I'd love for you to tell me yes, a little bit more are. about that one, if you if you don't mind. Absolutely. Well, as you have rightly um, said, the whole concept of Merchant of Venice is very much drawing upon this incredibly rich history of the Republic of Venice, which yes. was there for a thousand years. So, you know, Italy is, I always say, Italy is a new recent project. Uh, <laughs> Venice was there for a thousand years. Can you believe? I mean, a one thousand. No, this believe. was... A maritime republic built on trade. So, of course, fragrance was part of this trade. All these amazing perfume ingredients that were coming from the Middle East, from the Far East. Then you had this guy called Marco Polo, who I'm sure you remember, who yes. discovered yep. a thing called musk that now we all know, you know. Yeah. 
in, in, in Europe. So fragrance has very much been part of this trading activity that the Venetians have been mastering. Uh, and Merge to Venice very much celebrates all that. Um, with regards to Gold Regatta, we are um, telling kind of a different story. So once a year, uh, the first week of uh, September, uh, this amazing event called Regatta Storica takes place. So the Regatta Storica is uh, one of the most uh, unforgettable moments of Venetian life, right. where you've got on one side a competition, yeah, a rowing competition, and on the other side you have this beautiful boat parade in the Grand Canal. Right. So with all the traditions, big and show. So some of the old um, historic boats. Yes. Yeah. And costumes. So you would oh, have wow. people in their own traditional costumes. Yeah. So w- when Marco kind of invited me to see that uh, a few years ago, and I got to spend uh, the whole afternoon there um, watching this incredible spectacle, which is very much performed by the Venetians. So it's it's a very authentic thing. Yeah. And um, we were on the last, gr- <clears throat> coming out of COVID. So I was so impressed to see how much uh, this uh, atmosphere in the Regatta Storica was, uh, to me, uh, to uh, like a foreigner, because I'm not Venetian, but uh, yeah. I got to observe and learn from the culture. To me, that became like a perfect metaphor uh, for Venetian spirit, for right. uh, this uh, yeah. conquering spirit, for this energy, incredible energy that the Venetians have of, you know, always... Um, going ahead and always being resilient to whatever happens because Venice has always been threatened by the high tide, by invasions, by yeah. tourism nowadays. Yeah. So, oh my goodness, cruise ships now. <laughs> cruise ships, well, now thank God they've been stopped. But oh, have they? Always okay. had, yes, but they've always had this kind of both fragile and very strong personality. Also, the ecosystem is like that. So I very much was conceiving a fragrance which um, resembles this um, uh, going ahead in, in pursuit of beauty and victory and glory. And uh, and this is what we crafted with Gold Regatta, which is a fragrance I've made with uh, a fantastic perfumer called Veronique Nibera from Fragrance House Man. Uh, and I, we I got, got I got to, to spend, smell it. Uh, yeah, and I got to smell it in the, in the summer and it's it's absolutely beautiful. Sorry, I interrupt. No, it's good to know that you like it. Do you oh, remember my what, goodness. what mostly do you like about well, that? Well, I, 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 you know, obviously there was these beautiful marine notes, but I think you, you mentioned there was a a seaweed note, which was was perhaps something different I hadn't smelt before but there's there's a, a beautiful fresh opening but yeah these these really gorgeous kind of azonic outdoor notes in it I, I thought it was stunning and absolutely the kind of fragrance I I love so and and, and the more you told me about the the narrative and the, and the story of Venice and and the maritime history I I fell in love with it so it's um, definitely one I'm going to seek out sorry i i interrupted your your explanation no, but i need to say to, it was great yeah to hear because you know i spent more than one year working on this but it's nice to now uh, oh, have this baby out there and to hear yeah. what people uh, think about it how people see it and what you described is uh, very much what we wanted to to convey so vero and i got to spend some time in in venice of course 
And we were literally like smelling, you know, Venice together. And I was uh, pointing to some specific scents that I thought could be of particular interest for this project. And um, you mentioned the seaweed, that's correct. So this is one of the very few fragrances, as far as I know, that feature a red seaweed absolute. So it's a smell that on its own is quite peculiar. It's quite strong. It's a scent yeah. that alone you wouldn't want to wear as a perfume. <laughs> yeah, but I can when imagine. it's blended with other notes, and here there's also um, a beautiful absolute of Madagascar vanilla. There is a very nice, warm, cozy, ambery uh, aspect in it. So, um, you know, it's a bit like Venice. In Venice, you have always a glorious, a beautiful, an aesthetically pleasing uh, landscape around you with the art, with the colours, with, uh, with the history. But then you've also got the unexpected. And yes. in the unexpected yeah. also fall some smells because there are some scents about Venice that are maybe not so idyllic, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's on the water, isn't it, for a start? So. <laughs> yes, yeah. but when it's all together, it, it's magic. It is. And that is also what very much reflects on uh, on this fragrance, which on one side has got the marine, the salty, the sea breeze. It is also a very nice summer, uh, summer fruity breeze, which is a mm. very light uh, fig note which is uh, uh, some fig a tree there. that is from September. So September yeah. is the fig season. And so it falls uh, uh, specifically in the regatta time of the year. And then we use this note, which is uh, very interesting, which is uh, so-called driftwood. So this is, um, you know, that Venice is built on water, but what not everyone knows is that it's built on wood. Right. So the, 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 the foundations are, are wood. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So this was something ex very experimental that the Venetian di the Venetians did. They planted these called bricole, these long wooden pillars in the mud, and they discovered that the interaction between the wood and the mud produces like a sort of chemical reaction, uh, which is uh, um, very solid and so solid as solid as a, a concrete, basically that really? allows then a whole city to be built on it. Right. And this was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Well, more than a thousand. Yeah. Wow. A thousand, around a thousand two hundred, I guess. It was the anniversary of Venice um, some couple of years ago. So Incredible, that's how they, they built. And so we thought that this concept of salty, wet woods yeah. was going to be yeah. part of it. And that's very evocative anyway, isn't it? I think the idea of being on a pier or a boardwalk, you know, that kind of slightly, you know, aged wood that's been exposed to the elements. There's something really beautiful about that smell, isn't it? Where you take in the kind of the wood and the sea and the, the, the sort of ozonic, sunny smell. It's Yeah, that's really special. Well, being exposed to the elements is definitely a very beautiful way to describe Venice in general, because mm, that is true. exactly, yeah. you yeah. are an island in the, in the Adriatic Sea. So yeah. you are literally exposed to, to the elements, to people, to cultures, because Venice has most possibly been the most open open cross-culture place, maybe together with Sicily in Italy, yeah. which is another yeah. island again. So definitely a fragrance exposed to the element. I like that. <laughs> oh, and it's so great to hear you describe 
Venice and there's such a rich culture there. And of course, as you say, you know, we often, you know, rather lazily we think about fragrance in, in Europe and we're sort of drawn towards France, but it's it's fascinating to hear about the Italian culture of, of perfume and, and now how it's being celebrated in, in Venice and, and at the museum. Well, it's kind of what happened before France, because I mean, France, right. they the French have been absolutely amazing at growing perfumery out of what was very much a Renaissance flair, because, yes, yeah. you know, uh, again, Venice was kind of the trading place of perfumery, but then those very, very few ones that would have used fragrance would have been the courts, you know, all the royal courts mm. uh, up to Renaissance times. And one of them, Caterina de' Medici, Catherine de' Medici, she moved to France, married a French king, became Queen of France. And she fostered Grasse as a place for perfumery. And then the perfumers oh, okay. brought with her the Florentine perfumer Renato Bianco to Versailles. And that is when then France, you know, became the central perfumery. But what Merchant of Venice does is kind of celebrating everything that came before that. So this yeah. very long history around uh, and before Renaissance times. Yeah. Oh, Nicola, it's really making me want to, um, I'd love to come and visit the museum. In, oh, you have Venice. to. I bet it's absolutely fascinating and uh, I, yeah, I hope listeners are enjoying hearing more about it. But I'd love to find out as well, as the, the name of the podcast being Man in the Mirror, I wonder, I'm always very interested in people's perceptions of, of their own image and, and how you feel about what you see when you look in the mirror. So I, I wonder, you know, how comfortable are you with your appearance now? You mentioned you had a, you entered a new decade. So um, yeah, yes. how do you feel about looking back at Nicola in the in the mirror these days? Well, um, maybe it's also got to do with this new beautiful serums I'm using <laughs> and, <laughs> and the yoga and the good food. But let me yeah, tell you. You're getting younger, uh, younger and younger. Yeah, well, you know, lots of my friends are kind of mourning about the fact that, you know, about getting older. But to be honest with you, I think in a way I'm, I'm having the best time of my life. It's, um, I don't, I'm not so nostalgic about my twenties. You know, people, I think most people talk much nostalgia about their twenties. Think twenties are mm. great, but also a time when you're kind of a bit all over the place. You don't know where you're going. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I'm feeling, I guess, more and more stable and happy. And um, I feel I'm more grounded now. So I have... Well, that's interesting. Uh, I know I, I know myself definitely better. And um, I feel so lucky because I've got... I mean, I live in London, which is like has been my playground for a very long time. <laughs> and uh, I feel you are exposed to so many different people, culture. I do a job I love, which of course, you know, helps a lot. So I'm very grateful for that. I don't take that for granted at all. No, that is, luck is lucky for sure. So I think I am in, in a very good position at the moment. And again, as far as one, I think can really have then the chance to uh, look after themselves, which is something that you learn. Because again, I think that's when you're in your 20s, well, maybe early 30s, you don't think about that very much. Maybe looking after yourself is no. something that you learn with age, I guess. Would you agree? I would agree. And I think that, yeah, quite rightly in your 20s and 30s, you're 
you know, you're forging a career and you're you know, making families or whatever, but, but also you think you're invincible, don't you? So is you, you're less focused on uh, looking after yourself and repair and recuperation. Whereas I, I, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm older than you, Nicola, but I think, you know, I start to Who knows? really be grateful. Well, no, I, I certainly, I'm, I'm 50, so I sort of feel grateful oh, but for... the soul is ageless, yeah. you know? <laughs> no, it's true, and but I, I feel, you know, you get to a stage where you're grateful for what your body does, and I don't know, I think as you, as you get older, I think, you know, experience, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not someone that's worried about um, getting older in terms of the exterior and, and my appearance. I think it's... Um, I'm okay with all of that. I know, you know, and, and obviously everyone approaches it in a different way and some people want to kind of hold on to their youth and all those things, but I'm, you know, I'm less bothered about that. But I'm, you know, definitely... I haven't done anything yet. Would you? Do you think you'd ever sort of do any... I don't know. I mean, we'll Botox see. Every, everyone is like doing that. that these days. So I'm quite amazed actually to see talking about, we're talking about being in your early 20s. That What really shocks me is that Apparently, people in their twenties are doing that already. Yeah. God, you know, you're absolutely right, and and yeah, making all these look again. People do what they want to do, of course, but yeah, it, it does seem slightly strange, doesn't it? With when you're the the sort of prime of your it's youth, because they of, don't need that. So yeah, or doing things like, to lips and things. Maybe well, I've been speaking with uh, someone, a uh, beautician, who was telling me that a lot of people are doing that just to conform with everyone else, not because they need yeah. them, but if yeah, now course. everyone's got the same lips and the same forehead, then people want to have the same, although they don't actually need them because they don't need Botox at the age of 21. Mm. It's quite depressing, isn't it, I think? Well, I think it's interesting because in a way, I think it means that in the future, we're all going to have very different faces. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's true. When, and when you, you know, you watch certain, you know, there's programs here in the UK, like, Love Island and things like that. I and mean, I've discussed it on the podcast before, but as you say, that idea of uniformity and conformity, it's, it does seem that there's a certain shape and a certain face shape and a certain aesthetic that people are, or the younger people, I'm, I'm generalizing hugely, but that that's what they're aspiring to. And it does seem odd now that, that this idea of current beauty for young people is, you know, this sort of bigger lips and, and sort of super smooth forehead and and you know i'm sure some of it comes from I don't know, pornography or, or glamour whatever whatever it is but it's um i wonder if it'll shift again i'm sure it'll shift again at some point but it just seems yeah that idea that everyone's going to look the same and that's what attractive is yeah does feel very now, repressive and it, it it didn't seem like it was like that before but i think that's just the views views of an older man maybe different know. generations just have different tools and i think yeah, maybe that's true we were more you know listening to the same music or dressing you know using the same clothes and speaking in the same tones as our peers and maybe mm. nowadays people use cosmetic surgery at the end of yeah. the day in in the 80s 90s 2000 you really didn't have a young person well very few people had access to, to cosmetic course, yeah. surgery so now it's widely available you can buy yeah. botox injections at the pharmacy so it's a yeah. it's a very different world i think what matters is that whatever people do do that consciously and they have the chance to 
Um, so we're talking about beautifying the way to be beautiful in their own way, which could be for, t- for some people, and I don't exclude it, maybe in the future, who knows, I'll, you know, do something as well. It's, I think you need to take the wise decision for yourself in every yeah, life I moment. So. And if that is what makes you happy and increases your, your happiness and your way understanding of being beauty, I think for some people, maybe it's important to do that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm certainly not. You know, I'm not wanting to be prescriptive, and of course, you know, everyone's got to to do their own thing. You're you're absolutely right. I remember when we met though in the summer, Nicola, and um, you know, you were talking about well, as we're talking about your appearance now, I think you you've got incredible skin, and you are incredibly young looking. And I wonder whether some of the things you were talking about in terms of the the internal and the yoga and and looking after yourself, both internally and externally, I think. To me, that really shone through. I think you, you know, you look so well. Oh, bless you! No, I mean you, you yeah, <laughs> you, you, you've incredible skin and look, look very vital and yeah, and and. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. I'm kind of doing doing my best, I guess. I just well, I think naturally very energetic. That helps yeah, a lot. It's working for you. Sometimes too energetic, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So to my final question, Nicola, what mm. what are the things that make you happy? Oh, ooh la la, what a question. Ooh la la. Uh, <laughs> what are the things that make me happy? Um, well, definitely nature. So now I live in a beautiful part of southeast London, surrounded by parks. And um, nature for me is absolutely mandatory so i need to be in touch with nature i need to go and touch the trees i need to hear uh the 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 wind moving the leaves you know and uh, you're a tree toucher stop touching those trees (laughs) (laughs) so for me nature is mandatory i need to be in contact with nature i need to be able to again look after myself look after my body I think that is an incredible privilege that then turns into happiness because happiness is something that you create. It's not something that, it's a decision. Yeah, it's not there automatically, is it? No, I mean, there are things that help, you know, there's loved ones, there's family, there's friends, um, there's love and all of that clearly contributes. But I think it's a decision, a conscious decision that you take within Mm. yourself. Mm. And that you can create with the things that you that you learn are good for yourself. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Totally. So it's very much a decision. And um, I think curiosity is at the heart of happiness. So I love that. Like that expression, always be a student. Kind of. Yes, yeah. You know, always be keen to... Uh, experience new things and meet new people, learning new cultures. That is something that happens a lot in, in my job as well, which I guess is why I love to work on fragrance. I love to, I love to work for heritage brands because yes. it, it helps to connect to humanity around you and to understand how humans have expressed their stories, their fashions, their their way of being, their historical facts, also through something like fragrance, for example. So I guess that fragrance as well is something that makes me happy. (laughs) I think you you absolutely demonstrated that that sort of curiosity. And as you say, through 
through the work you do and through the perfume and, and the, the museum, but also in your educating work, I guess, as, as much as you're helping the next generation, that, that process of teaching is always about, it's always a two-way thing, isn't it? I guess you must be learning all the oh, time yes. and studying. So that's, you know, it's fascinating. Oh, yes. The energy I get back, especially with the students yeah, here in London yeah. from the Slate School of Fine Arts, where I do these scent workshops. I love it because you can see they're there to kind of tell the stories, express, you know, their, yeah. uh, their emotions. Art is all about emotions and personal stories. And, and fragrance then becomes very interesting to see how they use it. And then it, what I then get to experience the way they process it and it's wonderful and it's yeah so you you're getting something from it as well it's not just a sort of one way oh, thing oh absolutely oh nicola thank you so much it's been such a pleasure to spend some time with you this morning oh, thank I, I you for your invite and all your beautiful questions oh my pleasure well um i shall put some program notes together on the podcast so people can find out a bit more about the the products you use and of course a little bit more about the range from the Merchant of Venice, including Gold Regatta, which I absolutely loved and is out this month um, in a lot of major stores. So I shall put a link to the website where people can find out more about the brand. And um, oh, it's been an absolute joy and to hear about such a interesting job you have. And I say I'd love to uh, need to get myself to, to Venice to find out more about the Merchant of Venice at the museum yes, and hear about that pleasure. rich history. Yeah. Well, let you take care and have a great day and um, I hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much. Lovely to chat with you. You too, Nicola. Thank you. My thanks to Nicola. I really enjoyed chatting to him. Such a lovely man and um, has a real sense of fun and playfulness, which I hope came across in the podcast. It's funny, you know, I was talking about happiness and what made him happy and Nicola mentioned curiosity and I, I think you can totally see with the the various roles he has, whether it's the creative direction of Merchant of Venice or his work in academia or the research he does and the work he does with the museum or even with the yoga teaching I think you know he's someone that's got curiosity at, uh, at the heart of what he does and it's it's a good thing keep curious so thanks to Nicola really enjoyed that if you want to find out more about the Merchant of Venice brand you can do online there at themerchantofvenice.com and on Instagram it's at themerchantofvenice so just all one word, all as it sounds, themerchantofvenice.com and at the Merchant of Venice on Instagram. And you'll be able to find out about the whole range there. And also the gold regatta, Eau de Parfum, which is out this month and is absolutely beautiful. If you want to find out more about Man in the Mirror, you can do. I'm on Instagram at Man in the Mirror Pod. There you'll find information about previous episodes, about what's coming up. And I talk about some of the products I like. So please give me a follow at man in the mirror pod and it would be great if you could give me a follow or a review at your podcast platform of choice because it'd be great just to put me up the rankings so that more people can find the podcast so i'd really appreciate that so look thank you for your company this week i hope you've enjoyed it thank you to nicola thank you to you and i'll see you next time on man in the mirror take care